0: I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and welcome to episode 125, in which I get some stuff done. And I'm recording this on Monday, May 20th, 2013. Um, I'm not going to bother telling you what time, because you're not listening to it when I'm recording it anyway, so it's really pretty irrelevant. I just returned home from my Guild annual May quilt retreat, so I've got some stuff to report on with that. And uh, so I'm going to start out with a little bit of a Creative Bites and then we'll talk about, oh, I've, I guess I've got a couple of announcements and then I'll do my Sandy update in which I will talk about my retreat and then we'll do some listener feedback. So here we go because I'm going to try to get this all done before my husband gets home and we grill some pork chops on the grill on the patio because it's a gorgeous day out. Anyway, Creative Bites. Um, I subscribe to the Life Hacker blog. I know a couple of the other of you folks do too, because periodically I also see you guys retweeting some of their posts. Um, it is It can be an overwhelming blog to subscribe to because it posts a lot of posts in a day, but that's where something like Feedly or Blog Lovin' or whatever feed reader you use comes in really handy because you can just kind of scan titles and just choose which ones actually interest you rather than having to slog through all of them. But... Um, I would say probably out of the 25 to 30 posts that I always have to go through at one given time because I never read them every single day, um, there's probably maybe two or three that I actually really want to read. Um, But it's a good way to pick up on new technologies that are out there, new softwares, new apps, that kind of thing. Um, But they also have just kind of general life tips and I think this was a couple of weeks ago now because I intended to record a podcast episode last week and just couldn't ever get to it, which I'll talk about later. Um, But anyway, in one of the Lifehacker uh, blog posts, they talked about another blog that somebody there had been reading um, by a professor whose last name, I'm sorry, I didn't write down. His first name is Cal. But it's called Do More by Planning Less, The Power of the Anti-Plan. And what he talks about in his blog is rather than sticking to a predetermined plan about what you're going to do, try not having a plan and journaling about it as you go instead. And his argument is that when he's done that, he's actually been more productive than when he sits down and figure out figures out in advance what he has to do. So, for example, most of us, if we've got a project to do, we will sit down and think through what are the steps of that project? When do I need to get them done? Um, by et cetera. And, and okay, honestly, I mostly do that in my work life. So <laughs> that's what I'm thinking about. Somebody wants me to produce a new resource by X date. I sit down and the first thing I do is I figure out what are the steps I need to get through and when do I need to get through them by to stay to that um, goal. And generally that ends up in a spreadsheet and then that ends up being on my task list and then I end up having to move it around from day to day cuz I never quite get to it when I expect to get to it but I still I always make my deadlines um what he talks about is rather than approaching something that way is you just dive into the project you just start doing it you don't sit down and make all your lists and all your deadlines and all your goals and all that kind of thing you just start doing it and then Each day that you work on that project, you journal about what you've done and what you still need to do. And what he says is that by throwing out all of those rules and just diving in and adapting as you go, because, of course, if you don't have your plan in advance, you you know you're going to be kind of making it up as you go along. Um, What it does is it helps you kind of be more flexible and be able to embrace those serendipity events that happen as they go. And you might actually even approach the project more deeply than you would otherwise. Um, And he says, now he's done this a few times in his life, and then um, goes back to doing it kind of the standard way that we're all used to, by thinking it out ahead of time and and planning it. But one of his quotes is, um, he says, when he's doing it this time and starting to do this journaling reflection uh, process, he says, Even the initial reflections now trickling in are proving quite interesting. I'm starting to realize, for example, that deep work is deeply cyclical and not something that can happen every day of the week. Um, And I know that's something I think about in terms of my job, particularly there are some projects I have that require real focus and concentration and a real deep creativity that other parts of my job don't require. I can't do a whole lot of those days right in a row. I have to kind of do a couple of those days and then back off and do some stuff that is a little more mundane, a little more mindless. And then I can dive back in if I'm in a position. And sometimes I am where I have to just plow through and do a whole lot of that very deep work, um, for a lot of days in the row, I am completely spent by the end of it. Cause you're just really pouring yourself out in a way that you're not pouring yourself out when you're doing the more mundane tasks. Um, So that was one thing I read in this blog post that I found interesting. And then later he does say, um, he says, this journaling process is somewhat draining because not only are you doing the project, but you're also having to reflect upon it. And so that takes time and some thought, you know, again, so that's draining. And he says he finds himself falling back into a set system after a few months. However, because he's now been through this anti-plan, as he calls it, through this journaling process, that means when he goes back to that set system again, that set system is then optimized. It's better because of what he's discovered during his anti-planning phase, and it's more effective than what he would have come up with otherwise. And and that's kind of a quote from a summary of his blog. Um, when I read this, I did think about my work life. Um, there are some projects I have where I could do the anti-plan. There are other ones I really can't because of those kind of predetermined deadlines that I have to absolutely make sure I'm meeting. Um but in my quilting life, yeah, and and in fact what he was saying is sort of what I have found myself doing in my quilt life. Um I don't do, I've tried to do that, you know, the, the thing where you're supposed to do 10 minutes a day or 15 minutes a day. I did that a few years back because I'd read it in a few different magazine articles. Oh, you know, you're so productive if you just break it down to 10 minutes a day. And I found I couldn't work well that way. It just, that's not a style I can work in. Some people love it. Some people find it very helpful. For me, that was not helpful. In fact, it just ended up feeling kind of like an obligation as oh my, gosh, I've got to do my 10 minutes again today, you know, and it kind of sucked some of the joy out of it for me. So for me, I have learned that that process does not work well. But even in terms of my quilting, in, in a lot of cases, I do have what I call my post-it note system is <laughs> on the side of my cutting table. Um, this, the last few months, rather than having spreadsheets or rather than having um, lists of things, I have post-it notes and each post-it note, Has one step of a project that I'm currently working on on that post it note. And all of those post it notes are on the side of my cutting table. I've got, I try to keep myself to having no more than about 10, maybe 12 at a time, which sounds like that's an enormous amount of things. But like I said, it's just one step. And what that does is then when I have a Saturday afternoon, for example, I can glance at those post it notes. And say, "Okay, well, what am I in the mood to do? Well, I could probably knock out this post-it note right away. so boom, there that goes. I throw out that post-it note and okay, this post-it note, yeah, I'm kind of in the mood to do that one so I can pull that one too. so it's it's a different way of organizing myself um, but I do find myself with some regularity, you know maybe once or twice a month feeling like, you know what?" I don't want to plan. I just want to pick up some fabric and I want to play and I kind of want to do and I I just work on it as I go. And I don't necessarily sit down and have a, a very um, organized, I guess would be the word, approach to my journaling, my reflecting about the projects I'm working on. And that's something I should probably do more of. Um, but it's that sense of having an anti-plan is, is much akin to the slow quilt movement. That I've talked about. It's, it's not planning where your quilt is going to end up when you start it. It's not necessarily thinking, well, I've got to do, you know, it's the formula. If I do A, B, and C, I will end up with D as my end result. There are a lot of places where that's great in quilt making, but um, for me, what I like to do every now and then is not have any clue what D is going to end up being, not even necessarily knowing what B and C are going to be. I like to start with A, and just see what happens. And then once I see what A is, then I can say, all right, well, what A is leads me to think that maybe this needs to be B, or I could do this other thing instead as B, and then I kind of play around with what the different paths might be that A has led me onto. So that's kind of what I was thinking about with um, the Creative Bites and the Anti-Plan, as is, is think about the next time you approach a quilt project Think about not having a plan. Um, Some of you I know already do this. You've you've, uh, reflected back to me when I've talked about this in the past. But if you're somebody that always has to know how something's going to turn out, I would challenge you to just for once, just see if you can play around with not having a plan. Just start out and see what happens and go from there. Um, what i 'm going to work on doing is that reflective piece i 'm going to work on trying to jot myself some notes, even if it 's just short, even if it 's just a couple of pictures about well, I did this, and boy, that didn't work so well, and I wish I knew a little bit more about this, so maybe I need to learn this other skill or this other technique before I move on because this seems to be really where it's leading or um hey, I tried this, and boy, that was a surprise result, but that was a lot of fun, so I want to go to this next place now and You know, just those kinds of thoughts as I go, I think, would really enrich the whole experience. So that's my Creative Bites for the day. I know this was a little bit longer than they normally are. I'm sorry, but that's partly because I was reading quotes from somebody else's blog as a part of it. So Creative Bites, see if you can have an anti-plan. All right, announcements. Remember, this is Monday the 20th. There are only two more days left on the Kimberly Einmo class giveaway left from my last podcast episode, which was my interview with her. Um, Make sure when you go to the podcast show notes for that episode, and again, that was my last episode, episode 124, in which I talk with Kimberly Einmo. Make sure you use the link on that page to enter the giveaway giveaway. You are not entering the giveaway by leaving a comment. You're just talking to me by leaving a comment, which is equally as fun and rewarding, of course. But in any case, a lot of you have left comments, which I really appreciate. Some of your comments read a little bit like you might think you were entering the giveaway by leading that comment. So if you've left a comment but did not use the link to the Craftsy giveaway on the show notes, make sure you go back and do that because I wouldn't want you to miss out. Otherwise, I have thoroughly enjoyed reading everybody's comments. Also, remember the Project Hope online quilt show that is being co-sponsored by myself and Sandy of Quilt Cabana Corner Podcast. Um, deadline for that is end of June. That's only a few weeks away. Can you believe it? We are already partway through May, almost all the way through May. I'm astounded, frankly. Anyway, <laughs> don't forget the Project Hope Online Quilt Show, and both of us have um, information about it on our blogs, so do check both of our blogs. Just search Project Hope and you'll come up with it. Um, I am partway done with mine. Sandy has already done hers and a few other people have done theirs. So even if you don't want to do it, use the link to the Flickr group that's in that um explanation about the quilt shows the online quilt show so that you can go see what everybody else has done because there are some really incredible pieces in there very moving very meaningful i am loving seeing what you're all coming up with Uh, a little bit more locally if you live in driving distance of the um, western new york of rochester new york the genesee valley quilt club quilt show is coming up in a few weeks it is a really remarkably large show for a quilt guild. Um, they've got classes. They've got vendors. I think I heard something recently about had the, they had over 50 vendors. It's held at the RIT, the Rochester Institute of Technology campus. And I will post a link to the GVQC website for the show um, on the show notes to this episode. The dates are... May 31st to June 2nd, 2013, the theme is Magical Threads Inspired Stitches. So again, that's Friday, May 31st, 9 to 5, Saturday, June 1st, 9 to 5, and Sunday, June 2nd, 10 to 3. Um, I'm going to be doing a couple of hours of volunteering on that Saturday afternoon. I think I'm there from 1 to 3 behind the silent auction table. So if you do come, make sure you stop by the silent auction table, put in your bid, and say hey to me. Um, but again I will put the links to the uh, show notes in the show notes and it's uh, for those of you who don't want to bother visiting the show notes, it's GeneseeQuiltFest.com. and Genesee is G-E-N-E-S-E-E Quiltfest all one word dot com. And my next episode will be an interview with Wendy Butler. Burns. It was another fantastic conversation. I really enjoyed talking to Wendy, and I'm looking forward to sharing that with you, so make sure you listen up for that as well. Okay, Sandy, update. I had conference calls every single night last week. It was a special event for work, Um, and because we're a national organization, our conference calls are always 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, so that we can catch the West Coast folks hopefully after they're home from work or at least done with work for the day. Um, so every night at nine o'clock, Monday through Friday, I had a conference call, which did, you know, cut in a little bit to my ability to do a whole lot during the week, um, quilting wise. Uh, since I was moderating all of these phone calls, I had to actually go in and open up the conference room at like 830. So it really kind of knocked my whole night for a loop, but it was a great event. But I won't talk any more about that because that's work, not quilting. Um but because of that, I didn't get a whole lot done during the week. I did get my disappearing nine patch ready for basting, although I think that was the weekend before. That's been sitting around for a while waiting for me to get to it <laughs> for basting. I may take it out. It's a beautiful night tonight, so maybe I'll take it out in the backyard and do a quick spray baste or in the driveway or something. Um, so I'm going to be quilting that and getting that ready for donation, and I'm hoping to have that done uh within a week, although I just missed my guild meeting, having it done in time for my guild meeting. So now I don't really need to have it done until my next guild meeting, because that's when I'll give it to the person who does our donation quilts. Um, I did get my bindings done on both of the Kimberly Einmo mystery quilts, so I will be having posts on the blog this week. I've taken the pictures, I just haven't been able to get them posted yet. I'm hoping to do that tonight as well. And I finished... The stitching, although this now kind of moves a little bit into my quilt retreat update. I did finally finish all of the stitching on the first project in the um, Laura Wazalowski hand fused collage quilts, I think is the name of it. I'm sorry, class in Craftsy. Um, I know a lot of other people Listeners started theirs well after me and finished them well before me. (laughs) Just it was taking me a while. It wasn't because it was hard. It was wonderful stuff. I just kept putting it down for several days on end. So I finally got that done this weekend. I'm ready to do whatever I'm going to do with backing and binding. Haven't decided that yet, but hopefully we'll get that done some evening this week. I did, as I have said a couple times, had my quilt my guild quilt retreat this past weekend. Um, I had taken Friday off from work, although I did still have to work some. So my supervisor very graciously let me take half a day today, too, to make up for that. Um, We've just got too much going on right now at work for me to really be gone from the office for a whole day. So I was still emailing during the day. And then I had the last of the week's conference calls that night. Um, But the rest of the time, you know, I was down there. I got down there around 930 Friday morning um, and then I got home around noon Well, I left there around noon on Sunday. Um, I am not somebody who can stay up into the wee hours of the morning sewing, so I pretty much knocked out. Plus, I was exhausted Friday night by the time the conference call was over, so both nights I pretty much knocked out and went back to my room around 1030, Um, and we had a little bit lower registration for this retreat, so I actually was able to have a, a room to myself, which was really helpful this weekend because coming off of a week of conference calls and everything that I had going on around that event last week, I was just so fried that I was really thrilled to get back to my room at night and not have to talk to anybody (laughs) or be friendly or social or anything. You know, I love my guild. I have some very good friends in there. I had a great time, but you know, you just got to shut down. So it was, it was nice to have that room to myself and be able to get some decent rest. Um, so, what did I get done? I got done uh, the, like I said, I finished up the House on the Hill project, uh, at least as much as I could get done there. I didn't, I hadn't brought any backing fabric or anything with me to completely finish it, so I'll get that done this week. I also did, I believe, five more blocks in the um, jelly roll sampler that I've been working on for, oh, low these last two years. <laughs> uh, that is from the Pam and Nikki Lintot book, Jelly Roll Sampler. Um the reason it's taken me 2 years is simply because I designated it fairly early on as my retreat project. It's a very easy grab and go project. I had done a lot of the um preliminary sorting when you when you first start to do a sampler out of this book, they recommend that you choose all your blocks ahead of time, although I'm just doing the two that they can, uh, the 12 that they've got outlined right at the front of the book. Um And that you use, if you're using a single jelly roll, you start out by sorting which strips you are going to use for all of the blocks ahead of time, rather than just choosing them each block as you go. And the reason you kind of have to do that is because those of you who have worked with jelly rolls know very well, you don't necessarily get a really good blend of light, medium, and dark. There tends to be a lot of medium, a couple of dark, and a couple of light. So I did commit, as you know, I have this way of setting up rules for myself, parameters for myself when I start a project, because I kind of want to challenge myself to, I, I feel like sometimes those parameters will push me beyond my comfort zone a little bit and teach me things that I wouldn't naturally learn if I just, you know, did my druthers every time. So when I started this Jelly Roll Sampler quilt, I committed to only using that one Jelly Roll and not adding any strips Um, or swapping any out to try to get different contrast or anything. I'm really trying to do it out of that one jelly jelly roll. I might have had to add a strip or two just to get the right um, number. I don't remember now. I have a vague recollection of of adding a strip, but that might have been a different, because I did my mother-in-law's tulip quilt at the same time, which I actually got done. You know, I I did that one in a couple of months, and I was sorting them both at about the same time, so that might have been another quilt. So I'm sorry. I completely ignore everything I just said in the last two minutes. Um, this one is a jelly roll that I now don't remember. It's a Moda, but I don't remember the line. It's It's got sort of a very shabby chic feel to it. It's It's very, it's a pretty jelly roll, which is why I bought it, or... I inherited it from mom. I really don't know the origin of most of my jelly rolls anymore. I had a few and then I inherited a bunch from my mother. Um, In any case, again, I digress. I'm sorry. I'm still a little bit tired from retreat. So excuse me for any of these little conversational bunny trails. (laughs) I'm likely to start going down because I'm having problems keeping any coherent thoughts in my head for longer than, you know, 30 seconds at a time. Anyway, back to this jelly roll. I will not be able to tell you what the name of the line was. You will, some of you might recognize it when you see it. Um, My only issue with it is that some of the blocks don't have the kind of contrast I would like. A lot of the blocks kind of come out very medium altogether because, as you're sorting out this jelly roll, sometimes mediums have to play dark and sometimes they have to play light. I did the best I could to get contrast in every block, but some of them worked out better than others. Um, I think overall, once I get all of the blocks put together, and then especially if I decide to do something with sashing, which I haven't decided yet what I'm going to do, I'm just getting the blocks done first and then I'll have to lay it out and live with it. And apparently anti-plan. Um and then I'll decide where I'm going with it from there. But in any case, it's hard to keep yourself focused and working on a project that you're not really in love with. You know, I finished these blocks and I'm like, eh, okay, it's done. Move on. Do the next block. It's never very few. There's only a couple of these blocks that I've gotten done and said, oh, I really like that block. Most of them are like, Meh. <laughs> you know, it's okay. I went through a phase, probably somewhere in the 90s, where I was kind of into the shabby chic aesthetic. I'm, I'm not there now. I'm not not there that now, but I'm also not there. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a good thing you love me because, you know, I'm just not not doing so well today. Anyway, um, I do think I've designated this jelly roll quilt. I will be giving it to my aunt. But actually, I realized I've got to get it done this year because this particular aunt has a habit of completely redecorating on a fairly regular basis. And right now it would go beautifully in her living room. But her living room has been the same colors for probably about two years. And I'm thinking by the time I finally get this puppy done, she'll have repainted and it won't go with anything. So I've really got to, you know, plow through and get it done. Um, so, in any case, that was a very long story to say. I'm up to nine blocks now. Woohoo, I've got three to go. Um, I do actually now have them laying out um, the strips for the next three blocks. I have them hanging in my visual site so that I will actually start working on them because I'm not going to be at a retreat again until next February. So I've really got to get, just get these things done. Um, and that actually was most of my time on retreat because every one of those blocks probably took me a minimum of an hour and a half, if not two, to get done. Um, they've got a lot of pieces, got a lot of pieces to them. So anyway... Um, that was probably my most significant uh, accomplishment. I threw together a couple of pillowcases as well. I'd had some fabrics set aside on the corner of my cutting table for several months now, waiting to be turned into pillowcases. So I took those with me and just whipped those out. And you know, I got two pillowcases done in the less in much less time than it would take me to do one of those jelly roll blocks. So. The Jelly Roll Blocks, kind of what I did was I would do one and then I'd do something else, and then I'd do another one and then I'd do something else. So I was kind of going back and forth. Um, another quilt retreat project I got done uh, was this adorable kit that I had bought in Paducah to make a tea bag caddy. It's this little pocket sized book thing that you can put tea bags into and carry with you. I tend to bring mint tea with me a lot of places because I really love nothing more in the evening than sitting down with a cup of mint tea. It kind of helps me relax. Um and you'd be surprised how few places actually have a mint tea or they've got a nasty one. Um so I had bought this tea bag caddy kind of thinking at the time I would make it for my sister for her birthday. Her her birthday has been and gone at this point. Um no, not the sister that sometimes listens to this podcast, another sister. Uh, but in any case, when I got it put together, I didn't, there's a couple things I could have done a little bit better. So that just says to me, this one's meant to be mine, which is great because it's the cutest fabric. It's wonderful. I will have a picture on my blog. I forgot to post a picture of it on the blog post that I went today that I did today. I will make sure I get that picture on my next blog post. Um, It's just it's this adorable owl fabric that's just wonderful, very um, he's a he's an owl with character in any case. So I got that done. And then that one went viral because after I finished mine, there were four of us kind of all sitting in this one set of tables and two of the other women um, in the set decided they loved it. So one of them made four of them right away for friends of hers to use as gifts, and the other one made one for her, um, just for herself, I think. So it was kind of funny that this one thing suddenly became kind of the project of the week for our little set of tables. Um, Let's see, that was pillowcases. Yes, okay, so that's what I got done. Then I led, I was on the retreat committee this time, and Um, led a challenge around our theme. And the theme for the weekend was beach party. So I did what I called the Beach Fun Challenge. And I showed some pictures on my blog today of what some people did for this, but you might not understand them (laughs) unless you now listen to this description. I didn't want to take up space on the blog to really describe it. So here's what I put out ahead of time. I told people ahead of time to cut a piece of background fabric, roughly 14-inch square, and bring it with them. Um, The actual size was up to them, but we thought that 14 inches sounded like it was kind of a workable size. Um, And, uh, you know, I just said, this is gonna serve as your canvas during the weekend. You're gonna build on it on a variety of ways. So, you know, think about that. The fabric can be light, solid, anything you feel like you can work with, knowing you don't know what you'll be doing on it. Oh, well, here's actually, here's the funny part. Let me read the introduction for the Fun Creativity Challenge. We'll be having a fun challenge during our retreat, a challenge in which there are as few guidelines as possible. Anyone who participates will agree to step out into the ocean of the unknown, grab their surfboard of tools and talents, and ride the wave of creativity. Can we beat the theme any more into the ground? they were entertained by that. So anyway, we told them then to bring the the background fabric and then to bring any supplies they thought they might need based on the kind of quilting they like to do. So if they like to do fusible stuff, bring some fusible. If they liked doing hand applique, bring their favorite needle and thimble, you know, that kind of thing. Um, we also suggested they might want to bring their own scraps, but then I brought pretty much my entire scrap stash because I'm always open to sharing that. Um, And then all I said was, throughout the weekend, you'll be periodically given some information to help you decide what to do next on your project, but how you deal with that information will be up to you. Here's the thing, even those of us who are planning this don't actually know what's going to happen. We're just providing a structure whereby the sky's the limit for you to be creative and just have fun. It'll be as easy as, wait for it, a day at the beach. So, what I did was I had written a bunch of words... Sorry, I had to put that back in the recycling bin. Um, I had ahead of time come up with a list of words that had something to do with the beach, beach days, beach fun. And then I put all those words in a brown paper bag. And twice during the weekend, um, once on Friday afternoon, once on Saturday morning, I had people draw a word from uh, just one word. So everybody was using the same word um, from that. And then people had to somehow be inspired from that. So the first words that got drawn were bucket and shovel. That was the one that got drawn on Friday afternoon. And what I had to keep reminding people is don't take it literally. I mean, you can if you want to. If you want to put a bucket and shovel, if you want to do a beach scene with a bucket and shovel, that's fine. That's what you want to do. But you don't have to take it literally. You can just see, do a word association with yourself. What does the words bucket and shovel remind you of? Um, <laughs> and one, one of the women at my set of tables there said, Well, the first thing that came to mind was when my sister and I were kids and we were picking strawberries in a field with buckets and then we saw a snake and we had to beat it to death with a shovel. (laughs) And she looked at me and she goes, I don't think I want to put a snake on my project. (laughs) So the rest of the weekend we were teasing her about beating things to death with a shovel. But anyway, so then the second word that got drawn on Saturday morning was beach ball. And then for the third word, what I did instead than a a word is I had bought um, three different types of rubber duckies from Oriental Trading Company. If you have never seen the rubber duckies that are available through Oriental Trading Company, they are so much fun. They have all these different themed duckies. So I had bought, I don't remember what they were all called. One was dinosaurs. One was monsters. Monsters. And then one, they just had goofy facial expressions and fuzzy hair on the top, you know, kind of like the old troll dolls, but these were ducky versions. And so I'd bought these three different ones, mixed them all up, and threw them in a bag and had people draw one blindly out of the bag. And then they had to somewhere, somehow be inspired by whatever ducky they had drawn. And I even had people who weren't participating in the tra- challenge draw their duckies so that they could have one to play with um, and take home as a souvenir, and they all had fun with that. Um, my ducky was blue with these kind of fun, goofy... He, I said he actually reminded me of Sam. His facial expression reminded me of Doofus, my golden retriever. He had this kind of funny um, half-out-of-it look on his face. And then he had the shock of purple hair sticking straight up off of his head. So... What happened with my um, inspiration, my beach challenge, was I took the first inspiration from Bucket and Shovel. I thought about it all Friday while I was working on Jelly Roll Samplers and all these other things, and wasn't really coming up with something until I woke up at five o'clock Saturday morning with a full-blown image in my head of what I was going to do. And it has nothing to do with the beach. But as I started thinking through it, and then as I started working on it, when I got into our sew room later that morning. Um I it became my Project Online uh I'm sorry, my Project Hope online quilt show project. I did not intend that. When I first went and I knew I was going to be doing the speech fund challenge, I was thinking I would also be working separately on my Project Hope online quilt show project. Um or kind of thinking did I really want to do that there because I really wanted to have a little more focus to work on that. Um, but in any case as the speech fund challenge kind of evolved in my mind and then as it started playing out as I started doing it it became the Project Home, Project Hope project. So I did not post a picture of it yet um, because I want to wait until it's done and, and do the reveal. The one thing I will tell you is it it's completely made of my own hand dyes um, which is oh my gosh so much fun to use my own fabric. I am so fully into this. I, I've actually been looking at my other fabric stash and thinking, is it time for me to just offload all my commercial fabric and only do my own hand dyes? Um, I'm not going to probably offload all of it, but I may donate some of it to um, a woman in our guild who works with a charity quilt group. But anyway, um, so I am having a lot of fun with that. It's a little bit of a cliched image is the only thing um, that I'm not keen about it, but I think I'm going to play with some stuff with hand stitching and stuff that will make it a little bit different. Um, so I may still do the other image that I had in my head for the Project Hope project, because that's much more, um, much less cliched, I guess, um, and brings in some other elements and some other possibilities to play with other art quilt techniques. So I might do too. we We'll see. Um, but that was a lot of fun. I had... I think four other people actually did it that weekend. There were two or three other people that said they really wanted to, but um, they just didn't get to it that weekend. But they're thinking they might still do something later, knowing what the words are. Um, we'll see. It's you know, it's the kind of challenge that not everybody is into because most people kind of like to know what they're doing. You know, they don't like to have that mystery. Um, for those of us who did do it, we just had the best time. It's like could we draw another word? (laughs) We're just having a good time. So I did post uh, the pictures of most of the other people who did it. I thought I had taken a picture of the last person, not the last person who had done it, but um, I'm sorry, this other person who had done it. I thought I had taken a picture of her project as well, but I could not find it on my phone when I was posting from the retreat. So I'm going to look again and see whether I just missed it. Um, Otherwise I'm going to make her send me a picture. She'll probably post it on her own blog, in which case I can just post a link to that. Um so I think that's all about that. The one thing I need, I have a little bit of a, a shout out for the so easy table company. I've talked months and months episodes and episodes and episodes ago. I talked about the fact that my family had given me one of the so easy portable sewing tables for Mother's Day. This was like 2 years ago now. Um so easy is spelled S E W - E Z I. Um it is a wonderful, wonderful sewing table. It's very portable. Um, it's, I wouldn't call it necessarily lightweight, although it's lightweight enough to be portable, but that's mostly because it's got wheels and a handle um, and a wonderful case that goes over it. But it's super sturdy. When you set it up, you can put, and you put your sewing machine down into it. It's a flush mount, so it, your sewing machine sits a little bit lower than the tabletop. And then you've got a, um, a whatever that plastic is called. No, I'm sorry I'm losing words the the inset that sits down in the table to um, go around your sewing machine um, so it's flush mount it's a flat surface and it's really stable it does not get shaking when as you get sewing even if you're going pretty fast and sometimes I can get some speed on so you know it's kind of nice it's it's a great table Um, there's like five or six women in our, that go to our retreats that all have them. And every time we're there, people come over. Oh, what's that? Is that a, so we're like marketing them as we go. So I love this table. However, mine developed a hairline fracture probably almost a year ago now. um, That was just kind of a, a little bit of a fissure on the surface. It did not go very deep. Well, at this retreat, I had it. I hadn't set it up yet. It was still sitting um, up against a table, and it got knocked over, and it fell to the floor. And which is not unusual <laughs> for a table that's leaning. you know sometimes they get knocked over. Um, and again, it wasn't set up yet, so it was still in its case, flipped onto the floor. And when I opened it up to set it up, there were now two big cracks on either side of the table where the um, kind of where the narrow throat a- attaches to the larger part of the table. Hard to describe if you don't know what the table is. Um, But these cracks actually descended pretty far down into the thickness of the tabletop itself. So I threw some tape over them so that they wouldn't catch my fabric. And and it was fine. You know, it didn't affect how the table worked during the the year or during the weekend. But I was afraid that if I didn't try to do something about this, um, you know, this thing was eventually just going to split completely in half. So another woman at the retreat said, you know, you really should tell the company that because they need to know, if nothing else, they need to know this is a weak point in the design. And I was like, oh, it's two years old. You know, there's no like warranty for it or anything. I'm sure, you know, this probably kind of buyer beware sort of thing. Well, taking her advice, I took some pictures of it while I was there and emailed the So Easy Company. They almost immediately got back to me and said, yes, we knew that was a a weak point in the design. Um, We've redesigned the table now to to fix that, and we will happily send you a new tabletop at no charge. So I sent him my address, and I just heard back from the person today. Again, this is no more than two days after I found this crack, after this crack happened. Um, And she said, and they said they're shipping it out this week. So I'm getting a new tabletop for my so easy table. So I'm just, that's that's huge for me. Fantastic company, fantastic customer service. The fact that they would do that and just replace my tabletop, no questions asked, um, was fantastic. Now, when I emailed them, I said, look, you know, I've I've used this thing for two years. I always keep it stored, standing on end. I don't put anything heavy on it. You know, so I was trying to say, other than the fact that it had this one fall... Um, there's really nothing, uh, you know, I take care of this thing. And again, no questions asked. They didn't ask me anything about it. They're like, yep, we knew that was a problem. Here's your new one. <laughs> like, that's fantastic. So if you have one of those so easy tables and it starts developing a crack, um, especially in those two, you know, the the two weak points, make sure you're in touch with them. Send them a picture of what you're seeing. Um, and, and they'll take care of it. Uh, a quick resource review. I had gotten an email I'm on the Interweave Press uh newsletter list. They have launched an online video learning uh website called Craft Daily D A I L Y Craft Daily. And um it's you know I think of it as sort of their answer to Craftsy. They're they're trying to get into the online video um learning thing. It's I love Interweave, by the way. I love their books, love their stuff. They do a lot of art quilt kind of stuff. I love all of that. Um, however, I really can't say that I'm telling you to run right out and check out Craft Daily. They have 23 quilting videos right now, which are primarily art quilt techniques. That's fine by me. It does also include Quilting Art TV episodes. Um, and while you're watching a video, you can bookmarks bookmark parts of the video so you can go back and watch it. But other than that, it's pretty static. You're not getting the communication with the teacher. You can't take notes. You can't do any of those things that you can do on Craftsy. And it seems pretty pricey to me. It's $19.99 a month to be able to have access to all the videos or $11.99 a month if you only want the quilting and sewing videos. 20 bucks a month or $12 a month. And that, I don't know, that just seems steep to me. Um, you know, when I can go and buy a class at Craftsy, well, depending on how much, you know, you get them on sale. I've, I think the most I've ever paid was, I think I did pay full price once, which was $40, but then that's my, you know, that's for the rest of my life. And I don't, then I'm not paying for videos I don't want, which is the problem with the monthly fee is you're paying to get a whole lot of videos you may not actually be all that interested in. Um, so it is out there. If, you've, if you're if you not familiar with Quilting Arts TV, if you're not familiar with Interweave, I do suggest you go check that out. I'm not entirely sure I can really recommend this Craft Daily thing. It, it just, it seems pricey to me for basically watching online videos. I don't know. Anyway, I'd be interested if any of you do have the subscription to Craft Daily, and if you love it, convince me. I'm always open to that. Um, and here's a non-quilting suggestion. If you have not watched the video series on YouTube by Geriatric1927, that's his username, Geriatric1927, um, you're missing something. He is an older man from the UK and he just talks about life. They're really wonderful videos. They're, you know, about five minutes on average. He's got some that are longer than that. Um, but I was just watching his uh, recent episode. I can't say it's his most recent now because I haven't watched in several days, but, um, he did a, an episode where he was he said he'd found some old pictures from his childhood and he was kind of flipping through them and then he went on this whole thing about his childhood dog and his memory about his childhood dog he ends up talking about living um in I, i'm assuming london but he he doesn't specify being in london but being bombed during um the war and the you know the whole this dog was the thread of the story it was just really wonderful um, not only I love hearing people's memories of their childhoods, but it was also kind of this part of history, and you're getting this very personal viewpoint on it. So again, that's Geriatric 1927. If you haven't watched him, go go check him out. Um, listener feedback. I've gotten a lot of comments, so I can't really record, or I can't really respond to every single one of them, but I'm going to certainly say thank you. Um, thank you to Marissa One by One who commented on my... Um, Kimberly Einmo quilts in Flickr, but they're still in the, the uh, super secret secret handshake group right now. I have not posted them publicly yet. Um, Thank you so much to Connie, who commented on episode 123, in which I went to Paducah, and she says she has listened to every one of my podcast episodes, some of them more than once, um, which is impressive, Connie, and she says it's nice to know that there are others that just enjoy the doing as much, or maybe more, than the having, and she's talking about quilts, of course, Um, and I do, I enjoy the process more than the product, so that's a lot of fun. And Paula commented on episode 124, in which I talked with Kimberly Einmo. She said uh, she really enjoyed the interview, and she solved the issue of the low volume that I had mentioned at the beginning of my episode. She said, if you listen to it with earphones, it's perfect. So thank you for that, Paula. Thank you also to Marianne. And yes, you do need to check out Craftsy Classes. Um, Thanks to Kim, the quirky quilter, who compared me, who said I was the Barbara Walters of quilting, (laughs) which... Oh, I could make a joke about that, but I won't. Thank you for that. Um, Judy, thank you so much. And she appreciates the topics that I often cover. And Judy, if you ever have any suggestions for topics, please lay them on me. Sometimes I can run out of ideas. Um, And Tori said she enjoyed the interview as also when Katie of um, Katie's Quilting Corner also interviewed the amazing Einmo, as Tori said. Um, Tori has one of her books and both of her tools and is really looking forward to um, trying to put some perspective into her quilts. So I appreciate that. Uh, Jane says, I exercised with her today, which is good because I haven't been getting a lot of my own exercise this weekend. You know, your quilt retreats. We did take a walk one day, but other than that, um, she said, keeping things in perspective is so important. I often tell my beginning quilting students, it's your quilt, do it your way. And if it doesn't work and you want to try something else, I will show you what I know other than emphasizing good construction techniques. I try not to interfere with any other choices. Um, And she says, when I first heard perspective in the interview, I thought you were going to talk about not letting quilting taking over your life. In that case, I've lost a lot of my perspective. Um, And she is trying to follow me on Twitter. Again, Sandy Quilts on Twitter, Sandy with a Y, Quilts with a Z. And I will find you, Judy, or Jane, I'm sorry, Jane, and track you down. And I will follow you as well. Thank you so much to Shelley. also. She would love to win one of Kimberly Einmost chance, uh, classes. She thinks she'd take other, but she'd probably choose the Magical Jelly Roll class because she did a swap of strips with her guild last year, which is exactly why I chose the same class. I'm trying to use up a lot of scraps as well, strips as well. Um, Jane, another Jane, also enjoyed the conversation with Kimberly and said she seems like such a genuine down-to-earth person and really nice. She She really is. I think she really, really is. Um, Thank you to Daisy. And I'm sorry, I'm not sure which Daisy this is. There is nothing that indicates which of the several Daisies that listen to to this podcast it is. She says she loved the interview, but she says, when you first announced the Project Hope online show, I thought it was a fantastic idea, but didn't think I'd be able to come up with a good idea because I'd never made an art quilt and generally inexperienced at quilting, etc., Around the same time, I was struck by an idea for an embroidery design and couldn't get it out of my mind until I sketched it out on paper and scanned, cleaned up the design on the computer. It was sort of a this means something moment, though I didn't know how I wanted to use it, just that I had to get it out of my head before I lost track of it. While I was listening to the podcast this afternoon, though, it really crystallized in my mind exactly what the design means to me and that it absolutely wants to be part of that quilt I didn't think I'd be able to design. So, Daisy, I'm thinking that from comments you left that it's probably not very Lazy Daisy, but the other Daisy, in either case, um, I'm glad that you have been inspired and I really can't wait to see what you come up with. Kay apologize for not commenting often because she usually listens to her pod to my podcast late at night on her iPod, and then in the morning she gets busy with her day. but thank you so much. I appreciate your thoughts anyway Kay. and you know if you commented that late at night, I probably wouldn't read it anyway, so I wouldn't get it till the next morning. Thank you so much to landscape Lady in her episode and her comment on episode one twenty four and she says she bets Kimberly Anmo would be a great teacher, love her personality um I think she would be a great teacher. I was bummed that I wasn't able to get into her class. Um, Carol says that my excitement and what I do comes through each podcast. And clearly Kim felt it as well. And that's true. We kind of our energy worked off of each other. That was a lot of fun. Jenny said, thanks for the podcast interview. She loves interviews, which is great because I love doing them. And Karen says, I already own both of Kimberly's Craftsy classes, and I couldn't recommend them more highly. Her instructions are very clear. She works at a reasonable pace, or we have the luxury of stopping and repeating, which we don't have in a live class, and the projects are awesome. She is also so warm and friendly, you feel like you are quilting with a girlfriend. I would encourage anyone who is not familiar with Kimberly's work to enter the giveaway. So Karen, thank you for that, and everybody, Listen to Karen; she knows that of which she speaks. Thank you to Carolyn who commented on my post on my blog post about my final hand dyed um, post for a bit. She liked them and she said, "I just went to Ricky Tim's seminar and his dyed fabrics were not cheap. You've come up with some lookalikes. I'm now wanting to play with dyes. They look great. Thanks for enabling my addiction. LOL. Happy to enable somebody else's addiction, Carolyn, because." Y'all are pretty good at enabling mine when you put your minds to it. Um, thank you to, <laughs> this is my uh, BFF, BQF Katie, left a comment on my final hand-dyed post as well. Um, she said, thanks for sh- sharing your creativity. Why does Sam always seem to be smiling in the pictures? He's so stinking photogenic. He is. He likes to be in my pictures. And so I finally gave in and just made him sit there so that I could get a picture of him not being blurred. Um, Kathy Bowles also commented on my blog. Thank you for your comment. And Kati R, who says, hooray for grass and gorgeous embroidery threads. That was, um, in a, in reference to where I was on the hand stitching on my, um, Craftsy class project at that point. And Emily also commented, and she gave an update on Libby Lehman, which by the way, at this point now, um, Libby's family has set up a caring bridge link for her, which you can find, I don't know if it's on the Quilt Show website. I'm pretty sure it's on Ricky Tim's Facebook page. So they are posting now um, fairly regular updates through that CaringBridge website. So if you want to keep up with that, with Libby's progress, do look there. She has been moved out of the hospital. She's now in a different hospital which uh, where she's in for rehab and seems to be doing really remarkably well. Um, I don't think she was talking yet, at least not the last update I read a couple days ago. But she's definitely um, in communication in the way that she's able to be, which is just wonderful to hear. So, check out the Caring Bridge site. Um, you could probably Google Libby, Libby Lehman Caring Bridge and you would come up with the link. Um, Diane, thank you to Diane for posting about uh, me persisting to make my website work, you and the engineers. I'm pretty sure it does now. I haven't heard anybody in a while say that they were having problems commenting, but I also haven't heard from tech support. So I'm going to um, email them sometime this week and say, you know, just ask, do you know for sure you've gotten this fixed, that it seems like it's working well, but I'd kind of like to just hear an update from them as well. Um, And Diane also posted on a, another blog post and said uh, something tells me that there will be laughter in my interview with Kimberly Imo, which there was. Um, Claire Graham Smith. Oh, okay. I, she commented on a blog that she hasn't managed to listen to the podcast through iTunes. It seems to have automatically downloaded them since your blog move. I'll have to get my son to help. So I'm not really clear, Claire, on whether you were having problems getting my podcast through iTunes. I know it's there because I get it through iTunes. (laughs) I make sure I always check to make sure it's posted. Um, So let me know if you're still having problems with that. Um, And she also posted an update about Libby. So thank you to that. And I want to say thank you to the following people who have subscribed to my blog by email. There's Paula and Kitty and Connie and I cannot pronounce your name. Turgy? I'm sorry, I can't pronounce it. Um, Christine, Kim, Ann, Judy, there's a lot of people, Jane, Marcella, 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 I think I used to know a Marcella, so I'm assuming it's Marcella, Diane, Kathy, Susan, Barbara, Melanie, where am I, and Kimberly Imo, subscribe to my blog. That's a hoot. Um, thank you to all of you who have subscribed by uh, to my blog by email. And it's a daily digest kind of thing, which right now I have set up to go out at noon because as often as not, even if I pre-post blog posts, I try to have them go out kind of around nine or 10 in the morning. So I figure by noon, it'll catch up with them. If you would rather get the email, I can't personalize it. I can only send it out once a day. So if you think there's a better time of day for me to have those go out, let me know. It's hard for me to balance when I know my blog posts are going out so that you'll get them within some reasonable time frame of them going out versus when I know people are actually going to read their blogs. So if you have another thought, let me know. Otherwise, right now, those emails go out at noon every day. Um, and I did get an email uh, from. Was this an email? Yes. Um, I had posted on my blog another Life hacker, uh, uh blog post that said, it's true, thinking hard really can wear you out. And I said, no wonder I'm so fatigued lately, intense days at work. Um, and she emailed me and said, it's good that you're going to the gym. The intensity at work will ease and soon you'll be back to handling the rest of your life as you prefer. Your work gives juice to the rest of your life, even though it may not feel like it right now. Um, and then she said, she commented on how much I was juggling and actually somebody said that this weekend at the retreat too that they were impressed with how much I get done and and I said you know what really helped my productivity was having the kids move out of the house <laughs> It really that makes kind of a big difference it really does so anyway, thank you, Jean, for your wonderful email and your very kind words. Thank you to everybody who commented. I really appreciate it. And again, don't forget, you've got two days left to enter that Kimberly Einmo giveaway. If, you, if you've if you already entered and you want to make sure friends of yours also enter, you know, give up on the whole trying to lessen the competition thing. <laughs> We just we want to introduce people to Kimberly Einmo's work and to Craftsy. So please do make sure you've entered the um, giveaway and have also encouraged others to do so. So that's it for this episode. Email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com. Sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can follow my blog and my podcast show notes are both at the same place. You can follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, Goodreads, Facebook, Flickr. Thread Bias, Craftsy, all of those places. I'm Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, Quilts with a Z. You can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us group on Facebook. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group. You can join the Big Tent Quilt Cast Supergroup and then the Quilting for the Rest of Us subgroup. And you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us team on Kiva and do good with your dollars. And you can find links for all of that at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And until next time, when I'm talking to Wendy Butler Burns... Go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom.